and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Mary Griffith Show. I'm Scott Hardy, in for Mary. Coming up a little bit later on in the hour, we'll have a best of presentation about cybersecurity with an expert from WIU, Western University, Western Illinois University's Greg Kane. But on the line right now, from the United Way of Adams County, it's Jenna Hall. Good morning, Jenna. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm glad that you are here, and thanks for being on the program. Appreciate you being here. And I guess let's go ahead and lead with a little bit of news in that you have stopped a program that you've had offered to people for a while in regarding their their tax returns. Yes, that's correct. We are not doing our VITA program this year, which stands for Voluntary Income Tax Assistance. That program has been discontinued. Um, we do have several options for our clients. They can go to myfreetaxes.com, and that is a completely free service they can do um, online. We also, the Senior Center is still running their FIDA program, so you can check in with them. Or you can call our office for a list of companies here in town that are taking new clients. And Jenna, what was the reason for the discontinuation? Was it just a, a lack of, of people using it, or no? Actually, that's that's the exact opposite. We had we had a lot of people utilizing the program, um, but the strain on the staff was um, getting to be a lot with doing you know over 900 returns a year, um, as well as the regulations for the federal government and all of those um, new things that we have to learn each year had just gotten to be uh, way, way, way too much for us as a staff to do without hiring, you know, an additional person. It was almost like you were needing, then it sounds like almost needing to have CPAs actually doing that from the knowledge yeah. base that you had to acquire, right? It really was. I mean, it, that is exactly right. It's a definitely a difficult um, program, and we all had to be certified and take tests, and it was it's definitely a lot of strain. And I am not a CPA. I married a CPA, so I wouldn't have to do my taxes. So it's definitely a little bit difficult for all of us to learn all those things. What, he didn't want to do all those 900 returns? No. There was a lot. He was like, I don't think I can handle that. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> understand understand so once again just to let you know uh the united way of adams county you have discontinued the vita program but uh you have recommended myfreetaxes.com the senior center at uh on york street has its own vita program as well or to call you guys uh for a list of actual cpas that uh, will be doing and taking new clients Yes, we did a lot of research on that, and we found several organizations here in town that are taking new clients, so we're happy to share that list with people that call in. All right, very good, very good. Uh, my guest is Jenna Hull with the United Way of Adams County, and you're having your annual meeting about six weeks from now, aren't you? Yes, it's coming right up, so mark your calendars. It's going to be on March 2nd, which is a Thursday, at the Town & Country Inn & Suites. I believe the doors will open at 5. We'll have heavy hors d'oeuvres and um, cocktails, and our presentation will start at 6. So we're hoping to have a campaign announcement at that point. Um, you know, fingers crossed that we make the goal, and we'll have some exciting news to depart at that meeting. So, <laughs> But we'll have to wait until then, right? Yes, we will. We now I will say this, we still need donations. So we are we have not met our goal yet. So we can still um take in money for that twenty twenty two campaign. We're sitting at about ninety two percent of our goal right now, and so we definitely want to try to get to a hundred percent in the next six weeks. But still that is I mean it's a you do want the goal, but still, I mean your goal is one point one seven five million and you're at over ninety percent, so 
Yes. Uh, you must be pretty happy then with the results so far. Yes, we're very proud. This community always steps up for us and for our partner agencies, and so we're extremely blessed to have that. I mean, I don't know that everyone has a great community like that, but we definitely do. Um, so it's, you know, you know, all that money stays in Adams County, and it's going to fund those 18 partner agencies that we work with um, sometimes on a daily basis. So we're super excited about the dollars that we've taken in already and just hoping to get that final push uh, over the top to get to 100%. Yeah, and those agencies that you work with, the 18 partner agencies that you mentioned, they handle a wide variety of services, and they work with a large percentage of uh, Quincy and Adams County's population. Yes, absolutely. Um, when with If you're looking at all the programs and services, we help over 34,000 of our residents here in Adams County, and uh, the programs that we have are amazing. There's tons of programs for children. Um, there's food programs. We have um, counseling programs. We have mental health assistance. There's so many different things. I can't even name them all, um, but our, our partner agencies do all that work, and you know, us doing this fundraising allows them to put more time into those programs. Yeah, so you mentioned 34,000, and there's about 66,000 people in Adams County, so mm-hmm. about half of the population is involved with a United Way partner agency. Yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. so again, just to recap, some of the things you've got going on, uh, we did that about the VITA program, but the annual meeting, uh, March 2nd, Thursday, at the Town & Country Inn and Suites, do people need to uh, get tickets for that, or... Yes, um, we will take tickets at the door as well, but it's good to have uh, numbers beforehand. So we will be sending out invitations soon, or you can also go to our website and purchase your tickets there. Or you can call the office and we'll get you reserved for a table as well. All right, very good. And, of course, also the campaign goal, the update so far, 92% of the $1.175 million goal for the United Way of Adams County and all the work that that is done all the services, and basically when you announce the goal at the March 2nd meeting, March 3rd is pretty much when you start working on the following year, right? Right. We go right back into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, we get one day maybe. <laughs> okay. All right. One day, but yeah, look at, <laughs> look at that board and, and look at the fundraising right. totals, but then that's about it. And And like you said, the community is wonderful because – I can remember during the pandemic and people were wondering about their jobs, wondering about money, but still your campaigns, they, they took a slight hit, but not really much. No, we, we, again, you know, the community really stepped up when we were able to meet our goal these last couple of years. And, um, you know, you're talking about the programs and services. And one of the things that came out of that was our uh, multi-agency resource event. Um, you know, we started having those so that the people in the community would know what it is that we're doing and what are the programs and services and what are the agencies and things like that. And, you know, I didn't even mention uh, that that event is tomorrow. So um, those are kind of the things that have come out of that. Um, and, and those are the programs that we're, that we're able to do because of everyone's donations, you know. And um, last year I think we had about 180, 200 people come into that event, and hopefully all of them got plugged into some sort of a service that they were looking for assistance with. So those are the kind of things that, that you guys do on a daily basis for, for us when you support the United Way. Yeah, now that event, that's tomorrow, and it's going to be at the Senior Center, right? 
Um, it was at the Senior Center in oh. July. We're actually going to be at the Croc for this one in the winter. So um, it'll be at the Croc Center tomorrow morning from 8.30 to 3, and we're really hoping the snow kind of stays away a little bit. Um, but hope, hoping to have a great turnout for that event as well. Now, are those member agencies that are going to be there, or are they other agencies as well? Great question. So we, we do invite all of our partner agencies, and I believe all 18 of them will be on site. But we also offer that to any other of the nonprofits or government agencies um, in the community that can offer a program or a service to anybody that's coming in the door. So even places like DHS and the Housing Authority, um, those kind of op- opportunities will be there for people as well. The, the um, IDs, IDES, the Illinois Department of Employment Security, will have State Street Bank there for people that are wanting to open up some new accounts, things like that. So there's lots of different agencies there. We kind of want to do a wraparound and hope that we have something for everybody to where they you know, can come in and get locked, locked into some services. And the neat thing about this is, uh, from what I remember from the summer, this isn't the only time in 2023 that you're going to be having one of these. Correct. Yeah. So we're going to try to do um, one every January and one every uh, July. And that way, when it's really cold, we can get people into services. And also when it's super hot, we can get people into services. Very, very nice. That's what your dollars do when you give to the United Way every year. You're getting services such as this and everything else that the United Way and the partner agencies do. So again, again, just to recap, uh, the VITA program has discontinued, but call the office for companies taking new clients or just use MyFreeTaxes.com or the Senior Center. They've got a VITA program as well. Uh, yes. The goal is at 92% for the uh, campaign goal of $1.175 million. And the annual meeting of the United Way of Adams County, March 2nd at the Town and Country Inn and Suites. And uh, contact the United Way or look up their website if you want to get tickets. Jenna Hall with the United Way. That's th- great. Thank you so much for being on this morning. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for getting the word out for all of us and hope to see you guys all at the mark tomorrow or at our annual meeting. Very good. Very good. 928 our time. We'll be back with an update on the latest commodity market prices. That's on the way on the Mary Griffith show on WTAD. Welcome back to the Mary Griffith Show. I'm Scott Hardy on this birthday of Neil Diamond. He's 82 today. Time now for a previously recorded episode of the Mary Griffith Show. Mary's topic this morning is cybersecurity with an expert from WIU, Greg Kane. University School of Computer Sciences and University Technology. And that is Greg Kane. Welcome to the Mary Griffith Show. So glad you could be alongside. Good morning. Glad to be here. Now, We joke because I'm absolutely the most inept person when it comes to technology. (laughs) But as my partner Steve said, well, this will be good, Mary, because you'll learn a lot. This All this uh, month, WTAD News has teamed up with uh, the School of uh, Technology and Computer Science, and we've been offering cybersecurity tips. Now, we know the city of Quincy got hacked. We know that uh, a lot of big businesses have been hacked. Every once in a while, things get shut down. So I would like you to let us know, Greg Kane, what is exactly a hack? Let's start with that. We hear about computers getting hacked all the time. What exactly is that? 
Um, yeah, let me explain that. But first of all, I had not heard the city of Quincy got hacked. That, that's interesting. Well, we had to. We had insurance, so they will not. Re, they will not reveal what they had to pay. But we had an insurance policy of over five hundred thousand dollars. So our insurance policy, I'm sure, paid the hackers to get the key back. And that's just goes to show that just like you have fire insurance or liability insurance. Most businesses now have cybersecurity insurance because if you get hacked and they want a ransom, you're going to pay that ransom. The insurance company will pay it for you. So, yeah, it's it's pretty big news here in Quincy. Yeah, that's um that's a particular type of hack called ransomware. Um and I can elaborate on that if you like, but you know, to answer your original question what a hack is is basically you have some unauthorized person who is um has found access to your computer or your information. And that information could be on your computer, it could be on your phone, it could be in the cloud. But basically they've worked their way through the security layers and and has, has been able to access your information. That's a hack. But how does it happen? I mean, we're supposed to be so safe and all these firewalls. And then I watch like NCIS and they're, you know, Abby or, you know, whatever, Sean, whatever his character's name is, you know, all these people, they're in in three seconds. So obviously it can well, be done. Um, and if there's some people... They make that, it look easy. Yeah, they do make it look easy. I think it takes probably a little bit longer than that. But criminals have a lot of free time. So that's the problem, right? Well, first of all, 95% of hacks or or security breaches happen from human error, Okay. So that means somebody mistakenly put some information out there, like via email, and that happened at my previous institution. Someone accidentally emailed out, emailed out a bunch of Social Security numbers. That's really considered a breach, even though it wasn't an outside actor coming in through the security layers and the firewalls and getting to the information. So there's different types of breaches. Um, and really the most popular way that the um, – the hackers get into your system is basically tricking you. So what they'll do is they'll send you an email and they call this phishing, or if they're really targeting you, they call it spear phishing, which basically means they try to trick you into giving them their your information to get into an account. So they'll they'll send a, a, a false email that'll look pretty realistic and it'll say, you know, your Amazon account, um, we would like for you to provide more information. So can you give us your username and your password and then ask and um, provide this type of information about your previous order? Well, really what they're doing is they're trying to trick you into giving um, them your username and password so they can go into your Amazon account and buy a bunch of stuff and have it sent to them, for example. And you see many different attempts like that, and they're very sophisticated in how they do it. I mean, these these emails look very realistic, and they fool a lot of people. On average, I think they say um, the response rate to these types of phishing attacks is like around 30% for the really good ones. Now, that was maybe a couple of years ago where people have become a little bit more educated and a little bit more mindful of these types of things, but they can be quite um, effective in tricking you into giving their information. The problem with that is it happens so instantaneously, and we're usually in a hurry, and we want to get something, and we can't get that thing to work, and... I, I listen. This I almost fell for this. I'll tell you that, again. I mean, I'm smart. I graduated college, but I'm smart mm -hmm. supposedly. <laughs> but right after I got married, the house phone rang, and somebody said, um, "We're tracking unusual things happening on your computer. 
we need you to go to your computer and um, help us type in some things, and we're going to try to get this fixed. Well, you know, I don't know anything about computers, so I said, I'm sorry, my husband's not home, and I really would feel more comfortable if you call back and do it with him, because I just don't know. Oh, no, we need, it'd really be better if we do it now. Thank goodness. It wasn't that I was smart enough not to do it. I was just so afraid I'd screw something up. I waited for my husband to come home. I told my husband, I said, you're going to be getting a phone call because our computer is all messed up. He goes, you didn't tell him anything, did you? (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't even know. And I mean, I'm in the news business. I consider myself worldly and sophisticated, and I didn't know. So it does happen a lot to people. So what are some of the things we can say? Yeah. I would say that's basically cybersecurity approach number one, which is be skeptical. Always when you be receive skeptical. a phone call to yeah, when you receive a phone call to get into your account or ask you to do something, even especially when there's a sense of urgency, you should be skeptical of that. Number two is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, my daughter just recently, she's in college right now, and she um, she's trying to she's applying for different jobs. And they asked her, or she got an email that basically said they want to pay her like $30 an hour to do something, and they want her email address and her password and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, this is a, this is a scam. Because basically when they said they wanted to pay her $30 an hour, that was the red flag. And when I did some research on the institution that it came from, I can find out it was, it was not a credible institution. Yeah, and there again, skeptical. this happens again. We get them all the time. Hey, uh, you know, I'm a prince from some country in Africa, and I just have to, you know, I can't get access to my account, or uh, I've got a job for you, and you'll get paid, and all I need is, like you said, your social security number or whatever. So that stuff seems to be, uh, you know, hopefully self-evident, and we always have the Better Business Bureau on, and they warn about that. But I want to ask you a few other questions, Greg Kane, if I can, Chief Information Officer at Western Illinois University. Are there particular things we can do on our computers and on our phones? Now, I know that they have systems that are supposed to have firewalls. Some people don't even bother to install them. And that, I think, scares me because I have somebody that does that for me here at my work. When it says it's time to install something new, I just notify our chief officer and say, do that for me, even though I could probably push that button. But a lot of people don't don't do it. I've had some notification on my phone, and I've said not now for about two months. I think I really ought to figure out what that is. So talk yeah. a little bit about how what you know we need to protect ourselves by our cell phones and our computers will try to protect us, but we need to help them out. Yes, I think uh, the notification you see on the phone is is probably the first line of defense, and that is your cell phone and your computers. They basically run on operating systems that are are in need of constant updates. And the manufacturers know that. That's why they push these updates to you. But you, as the owner of those devices, have to take the time and make sure that you install the updates that they recommend. So that's first and foremost is may always stay current on your technology because, you know, it says basically if you ever read the fine print when you install these things that it gives a list of all the, the things that they're addressing and usually at least half of them are security related. The other half is probably feature updates, but half of it for sure for sure is security. I'm afraid and to push secondly, it though because I don't want to get charged. Am I going to get charged? 
Well, if you run those things over Wi-Fi, it won't give you, it won't charge you. And it doesn't charge you um, from a software licensing standpoint. It comes with the licensing. Okay. But if you um, want to update it on your cell phone and you're on a and you're using cellular, then it depends on your plan. If you have to download a big file to do this update, you really want to be on Wi-Fi. Then we you don't have to worry about taking out additional charges for overages. Yeah, I already got in trouble for that. I discovered that I could push. <laughs> I this think bu- we all have. <laughs> I, I discovered I could push this button on my phone, but it only works when I'm hooked up with our Wi-Fi at our house. Everywhere else, it's considered data usage, and so right. of course. My husband said, what in the heck did you do? Because we've never had a data usage charge, and all of a sudden, there's I like 10 bucks. It wasn't much, but he's like, whatever you did, don't do that again. So we had a discussion. <laughs> no, no, no. You can't walk around like all the teenagers looking at your phone all the time. You only do that in our house, the Wi-Fi. Just don't do it. So I tell you, like I said, I am a child when it comes to these things. I need a protector. So that's a good tip. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a break. Hang in there with me if you don't mind, Greg Kane. Uh, we do have to uh, make a little money for the radio station. So we're going to take a break. We'll come back, and uh, we'll have about 10 minutes left. And you tell us everything we need to know to keep ourselves safe in this world where cybersecurity should always be on our, our mind. Welcome back to the Mary Griffith Show. Scott Hardy in for Mary Griffith. Coming up, uh, we'll get back to her interview with Western Illinois University's Greg Kane about cybersecurity. Wanted to update you on the forecast again. A winter weather advisory is in effect starting tonight at 9, and that will go through 6 o'clock Wednesday night. Cloudy skies today with a high near 41. Snow is likely. In fact, it will happen mainly after 9 o'clock tonight and lasting through the overnight hours with 1 to 3 inches of accumulation possible and a low of around 30. The snow will continue through most of Wednesday morning, ending by about noon hour on Wednesday with a high of 34. Maybe another inch of accumulation can be expected with that snow system. We're expecting three inches in Quincy, so keep that in mind if you're traveling uh, this evening or tomorrow. Let's get back to that interview here on WTAD. We are back, and we are talking with uh, Greg Kane, the Chief Information Officer at Western Illinois University. All this month, WIU has been providing cybersecurity tips to us here at WTAD, and we've appreciated it. We've said them every morning during our newscast, and I know that sometimes we just need reminding of some simple things that we can do. So continuing on in our conversation, what else do we need to know about cybersecurity? Everything we ever wanted to know but we're afraid to ask, I guess. That's what I'm asking you, Greg. <laughs> well, it's a big topic. I mean, people spend their professional careers, you know, addressing these types of issues for, for institutions. But I would say, you know, as an individual, I mean, our lives are ever more inundated with technology. A lot of people do online banking, using credit cards, checking those statements online, you know, logging in for Netflix and stuff. I think just the first step is to be skeptical, like we mentioned earlier in the show, and to be mindful, put put a little bit of effort into it. So when you when you have to use a password for some of these um these sites that you log into, make sure they're kind of complicated and not something something someone could guess easily. And then be responsible with that password. Make sure you're not sharing it with that people for or sharing it with people or writing it down in a manner that somebody could find it. Um, kind of like, you know, when you go to the to the shopping mall, you know, you make sure that your wallet is secured, your money's in your pocket, you lock your car, 
you put a little bit of thought into it, you know, to, to secure your property when you uh, when you go to different types of events. And it's the same thing applies here. You know, you need to protect your digital property. Well, one thing that's interesting when it comes to passwords. Now, this is where everybody falls down. I'm sorry. It's nice to say have complicated passwords and have multiple passwords <laughs> and all this and never write them down. The problem is a lot of people can't remember. I mean, I, this is so funny. I've lived in Quincy all my life, so I went to the water department to pay my bill, and I didn't have my bill with me. And they're like, well, what's your password? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I would not know what my password is to the Quincy water department. Well, fortunately, <laughs> one of the girls that works there went to high school with me, so she knows who I am. So, again, her her verification of me overwrote. But the guy that was there, he didn't know who I was. And he wasn't going to let me in to pay my bill. I go, I'm just trying to give you money. I mean, I'm trying to give you money. I'm not trying to take money. But I understand he has to follow the protocol. But it was so funny because it was some weirdo thing that I set up eight years ago in case they ever had to contact me or something about a water outage. Well, who the heck's going to remember that? And that's part of the problem. Passwords do have to be complex, but they have to be memorable because if we write them down, it doesn't do any good. If you write your password down, in fact, I, I hate to admit this, but here at the Radio Ranch, we have our passwords taped to the front of our computers because we insist that we have to have a password. But nobody can remember their password, and everybody uses everybody else's computer. So we just write the password and tape it on the front of the computer. Now, that's ridiculous. That's not good. <laughs> Um, I mean, but, but the the original issue that you were saying, as far as like, how do you remember your passwords like that? There's there's two different ways I think I would suggest to your audience. The first one is there's kind of a term being used now that's a passphrase. You know, you you think instead of just a word that's complicated, you think about a phrase. And and one of the common things is like either a, a line in your your favorite story or your or your song like Boot Scoot and Boogie, you know, that'd be something that's kind of a song that maybe is your favorite song that you, it's complicated because it's it's long enough that somebody couldn't really guess it. And if you throw a couple of zeros in there in boots instead of O's, right now, there you go, you have a complicated password. So that's, that's a suggestion number one, is use a passphrase instead of a password. And secondly, they have... Um, basically devices out that's called bas um, password managers. And password managers, it's like a, a private notebook for your passwords for you to be able to keep them straight. They have app, apps that you can download to your phone and basically allows you to enter in the different sites that you need access to and what your username and password is to those sites. Some of them are sophisticated enough where they'll connect to the site and help you log in when you have to log in. And other times it's basically a digital notebook, you know, keeping track of all your stuff. That's the other thing. You know, your phone has a password. Your computer has a password. Then you have husbands <laughs> and wives that do we know each other's passwords? You know, how it's very complex. I agree with everything you're saying. I'm not trying to be argumentative. I'm talking about the average person. I just think mm -hmm. the average person, you've given some good tips here. You've got to be able to remember it. But if it's something so associated with you, then people will be able to guess it. Like, I mean, my password couldn't be redhead or something. I mean, somebody might guess that, <laughs> at least if they knew me years ago. Now it might be old gray-haired lady might be a better password for me. But, you know, it's got to be something that nobody will guess, and yet you know. And I, I joke about this because I, 
my mother kept her password. I mean, this was years ago. My mother's been gone for almost 20 years, but she kept her password written right by her computer because, of course, she couldn't remember it. And it was the name of her horse when she was a kid and the year she was born. Well, one day I wanted to play solitaire on her computer, and, of course, I couldn't get in. So I looked around, and there it was, clear as a bell. And she came home, and I was, you know, playing on the computer. She goes, how would you get in? I said, I just guessed your password because I knew your favorite animal and the year you were born. Well, she was, like, mystified that I was so brilliant. Well, she'd written it down. So, again, we <laughs> always have these problems. If you're going to write it down, it doesn't really do much good, does it? No, it really doesn't. But that's an interesting story, though, because I have horses, and it definitely has uh, made it into some of my password strategies as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's the other thing I've always wondered. What happened to Mom's account? She's been gone now. What happens to all these old accounts, like her old email? It, it still exists, I guess. I couldn't, I, I mean, what, what happens when we die to all this stuff? That's a good question. I think every institution has their own strategies on the, how they archive and, and remove accounts over time. I'm sure some of them older accounts are gone, but there's probably some places where, where they haven't deleted them just because they have the space, and until they need the space, they don't really have to start deleting stuff. So if you haven't used something for a couple of years or maybe a decade, uh, you could expect that it would be deleted. Yes, you can okay. expect that. And one minute left. Something that never gets deleted seems to be uh, pictures of yourself drunk on Facebook or whatever. That is becoming a huge problem for young people getting jobs because anymore, who cares about a resume? They look at your social media, and if you're an idiot on social media, they're not going to hire you. That's true. You have to really be careful what you post because it stays there forever. That's one of the lessons I, I give my kids because I don't want to see those things come back to haunt them. And sometimes they could be the most innocent of things like a Halloween costume where everything seems fine, but as politically correct this changes with the tide, you know, you may find something that might be controversial in the future. So you really have to be careful on what you post out to Facebook and, and the other Twitter and the different accounts out there. I don't think anybody's following that rule, but uh, not at least, I'm not on Facebook <laughs> for that very reason. But when I check my friends, Sometimes I look over the shoulder and I just can't believe the things people post. We are out of time. This has been delightful. Please mark down on your calendar that we need to do this at least twice a year because I learned a lot today, although I still probably am going to write down my passwords. 